welcome to Subject ACT, Community Radio 2XXFM's local current affairs program. You're with Becca Posterino. It's Monday the 23rd of November. This week I spoke with Shane Rattenbury, ACT Greens member of the Legislative Assembly and Government Minister, and I also met with ACT Opposition Leader Jeremy Hansen to discuss some key issues in Canberra. I also spoke to Project Manager Emma Thomas and Place Manager Dean Hemener from Capital Metro to update progress of Canberra's intended light rail. With an ACT election looming in 2016, these topics will no doubt drive the political debate as Canberrans decide who will lead after next year's election. We're talking to Shane Rattenbury, ACT Greens Member of the Legislative Assembly and Government Minister, Minister for Territory and Municipal Services, Minister for Justice, Minister for Sport and Recreation, Minister Assisting the Chief Minister on Transport Reform, Minister for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Affairs. What a portfolio. Yeah, it's like that in the ACT. All of the ministers have a, a number of portfolios and it's it's very interesting because you get to work across a number of different areas, but it's it's quite challenging to keep up with all of them as well. How do you manage? That's some serious multitasking. It is. I mean, I've got a great team of staff who work very hard. And then, of course, the departments are helping you with that. They do, obviously, a lot of the work. The minister has a particular role in that. But there's a lot of very dedicated public servants in the ACT who are very passionate about their jobs as well. Canberra has undergone significant urban transformation in the last few years from my fresh eyes. I'm from Melbourne originally. In terms of urban renewal, what initiatives will ensure the promotion of a sustainable communities in Canberra? Yeah, it's been interesting to see the change in Canberra in the last, I think, five or six years. I grew up here uh, and Canberra has really changed and people people are really excited about areas like New Acton, the Kingston Foreshore, what's happened in Braddon. If you talk to anybody, they're sort of saying, well, they're the, the interesting, exciting parts of Canberra. And what I find intriguing about that is they're different to what Canberra used to be like. There's clearly a desire in our city amongst some segments of the community to have greater urban density, to have these areas that are very vibrant. And government's got an important role to play in that in terms of allowing the planning changes. We need to do some work to protect noise uh, in terms of, you know, you see these areas where they become kind of groovy because there's bands and noise and interesting things happening. People then start to build apartments there. Some people move in and they start to complain about the noise. Uh, we've certainly seen that at New Acton, where uh, jazz events have had to be closed down because residents in the New Acton precinct have complained about the noise. Uh, those sort of things are very important in terms of some, I guess, urban spirit. Bigger picture-wise, it is issues like planning laws, but making sure that we, when we have some of this urban renewal, uh, we, get, we get the rules in place so the developers don't use every available piece of space. You know, I spent five years living in the Netherlands. It's a very dense country, and yet they've got... They live people-friendly developments where there's a bit of green space. Uh, they're not all necessarily really tall. Uh, and they're sort of some of the traits I'd like to see in Canberra's urban renewal. So how do you get that balance right from a legislative perspective? How do you actually approach that? That is a very difficult topic It's because I think a lot of people in Canberra would like to see more of that, including many of the ministers and many of the people in the government, and yet... We don't seem to have been able to achieve it. The developers seem to want to do different projects. Uh, and so that is a, a, a difficult area that we need to keep working on. Learning from cities that have done it well is probably the answer. The federal government recently announced their decision to remove barriers preventing states and territories from growing cannabis for medicinal purposes. 
What does this mean for people enduring chronic or terminal illnesses? This is a very exciting development and one that going back 18 months or so, most people wouldn't have anticipated. I drafted legislation 18 months ago for a medical cannabis scheme here in the ACT and we had to draft it with all these sort of external constraints, including constraints from the federal government. The whole debate's come such a long way in that time. It's really important we deliver this. Cannabis can clearly provide significant medical benefits for a range of people, whether they're suffering a terminal illness or a range of chronic conditions. Uh, and up until now, you know, if you want to access it, you've got to do it illegally in Australia. You've got to go and find yourself, frankly, some kid in a hoodie on the street to get your cannabis off. And that's not a satisfactory situation. What the federal government has done is probably half of what we need. They've allowed the cultivation and supply of cannabis, uh, but they haven't actually allowed it to be medically dispensed and the like. But they've given that power to the states and territories. And so from an ACT point of view, that's great. We can now move forward. Uh, with the space that the federal government has given us. I'd rather the federal government had done one scheme for the whole of Australia, and certainly my federal colleagues have been pushing that, but that opportunity is not there at the moment. But what the federal government has done is at least given the states and territories enough space to be able to move. Andrew Barr announced ACT's government's position to refrain from investing in fossil fuel companies. What other measures can the current government take to ensure Canberra's investment in a renewable future? Well, the ACT is setting a great path for and a great example for the rest of Australia. We've set ourselves ambitious greenhouse gas reduction targets, the first one being to reduce our emissions by 40% by 2020. Having an underlying policy commitment like that is then driving a series of flow-on policies to meet that target. We've seen we've now adopted a target of achieving 90% of our electricity coming from renewable sources by 2020, and we're well, we're well on the way to achieving that. The investments we've made in wind and solar farms uh, will put us on that target by 2020, and that'll provide a very significant cut to our emissions. So light rail, key topic. Yes. Is the project progressing, and when do you expect contracts will be signed? Well, the project's actually progressing extremely well. We're now down to a stage where, uh, probably six months or so ago, the government shortlisted two bidding consortia. They then spent a series of months putting their bid together, and they were submitted a few weeks ago, uh, including for the Russell extension. Uh, there's a, the government has invited the two consortia to bid also to extend right through to Russell. All of those bids are in now, and they're currently being evaluated. Uh, the government will make a decision late this year or early next year as to which of the bids is successful. Uh, based on the advice we get from the Capital Metro Authority. And then we expect to sign the contracts in the first quarter of next year. So I still get questions from people saying, hey, is light rail really going ahead? Well, the bottom line is, yes, we're proceeding on it very well. Uh, The two consortia who bid for it are made up of very experienced companies, companies that have done light rail on the Gold Coast, done light rail overseas, uh, significant financiers. We've got globally leading companies who've come to Canada because they want to be involved in this project. Jeremy Hansen says he won't go ahead Mm. if he's elected in 2016. What will happen to the project if that's the case? Well, I think that's a terribly short-sighted view. I mean, the whole rationale for this project is that Canberra is a car-dominated city. It's been built that way, and I think there's a bit of comfort with the fact that we can live like that. But Canberra's population is projected to significantly increase. Uh, By 2041, there'll be another 130,000 or so cars on the road if we keep going with business as usual. Where are they all going to fit? We need to diversify our transport system. Now, I'm not saying people won't drive cars in the future. There'll always be a role for cars in our transport system. But we need a, a diverse and integrated transport system with light rail, buses, walking, cycling, 
cars, taxis, Uber, all of these things are going to be part of a transport system. But light rail provides a unique role in that it carries a lot of people uh, very rapidly and it provides a real spine for an integrated transport system. Uh, Jeremy's position to want to cancel the contracts, I think, is it's just so ideological. Uh, to get to a point where the contracts will be signed, work will be underway, I'm actually not even convinced he could follow through on it. His argument is health is, or funding is better directed to health. What do you say to that? I would say the government already invests very significantly in health. We spend $1.5 billion a year here in the ACT on health. It's our number one budget line item. It's about a third of our annual ACT budget. There's no sense that health is not a priority. Uh, We spend another billion dollars a year on education. Uh, And so in those two big areas, we're already investing very significantly, but government needs to deliver a range of services. And transport is very important. It's important to our quality of life. It's important to our economy. Uh, It's... People love living in Canberra because it's easy to get around. Well, it is at the moment, but for anyone who has to drive into from Gangal and down Northbourne Avenue in the mornings, it's already our most congested road in Canberra. The average travel speed in peak hour is a shade over 20 kilometres an hour. At the moment, the average time to get from Gangal to the city in the morning is 27 minutes. Uh, by 2031, that's on average projected to be 55 minutes. If we don't do something... That's the pathway that we're looking at in Canberra in the future. And so this is about making a smart decision now to not end up like Sydney, where they're scrabbling to catch up. Uh, We want to be a government that looks to the future and gets on the front foot and actually prepares Canberra for a, a busier future in this city. Can Canberra afford this project? We can afford it. And I think a lot of people are thrown by the, the sort of some of the big numbers you see on it. The first stage is you know, the, the government modelling is around $783 million, which includes the contingency. Uh, people sort of think, wow, that's a big lot to put over next year. Well, that's not how it works. We'll pay for it over 20 years like a mortgage. So there'll be a quarterly payment uh, once a quarter for the next 20 years, which means that those of us now will pay a little bit of it, but people who are using it and here, here living in the city in 19, 20 years' time will also be helping to pay for it. And that's how you pay for infrastructure. I also met with ACT opposition leader Jeremy Hansen. The recent politicisation of the light rail and the consortium members bidding for the mm. light rail within the ALP, what do you speak to that? I think when you've got one of the bidders donating to the Labor Party, uh, that that doesn't help. There's no doubt for such a controversial project. But but ultimately, our concern is, uh, is this the best place uh, for ACT ratepayers' money to go? Uh, you know, it's uh, like any decision in politics, uh, there are opportunity costs. And if you spend a billion dollars on a tram, that's a billion dollars of ratepayers' money that can't be spent on health or education or roads or buses uh, or other important community services. And when we've looked at light rail, it doesn't really stack up. Uh, It's only going to look after about 1% of the population during uh, peak hours of transit in the morning and the afternoon. Uh, It's already on a pretty good bus route, uh, and it's really not going to replace many people. It's simply going to get them off the bus and onto a tram. So it doesn't solve uh, the public transport problems that we've got in the ACT. So it doesn't really stack up as as a transport solution. Uh, The economics of it don't stack up. The benefit-cost ratio is very low. Uh, Buses are twice the benefit economically than light rail is. Uh, So there's very little uh, in terms of benefit of the specific proposal. And a large part of the reason is we are so spread out as a city. 
you know, mass transit works effectively where you've got a dense population. So places like Sydney or Melbourne. But as people understand, you know, we're very spread out in Canberra. Uh, and running a tram from Gungahlin to, to Civic doesn't solve the problems that we've got. It just doesn't suit Canberra's population. So we'll certainly keep the corridors open so that when Canberra has a much bigger population and is more dense, it may become viable. It's certainly not at the moment. And there are many other transport options available, be it buses or some of the technological changes that we're seeing coming on that are not too far away, uh, be it autonomous cars. We've just had Uber arrive in our market. There are, there are many other things that can uh, fix some of the transport problems. But from my perspective, it's not just about transport. It's about if there's a billion dollars to spend, where should it be spent? And a tram is not the answer when you've got a health system that's in crisis. So would you be investing more in bus infrastructure if, if yeah, you... Yeah, absolutely we would. Um, we've already announced that we would uh, have another 50 buses, uh, what we've called super express buses, so going direct from suburbs into the town centre uh, and into uh, the parliamentary triangle. Now, that's what people actually want when you go out into the street because if you live in Tuggeron or Belconnen, Western or Woden or Gungarland, people want to go basically directly from their suburb to their place of work. Uh, you know, and that's one of the problems with the tram. It's going to have to stop at 13 stops and it's really only 1% of the population. Mm -hmm. So, yes, buses uh, instead of trams are part of our solution. But as I said, it's not just about transport. It's about uh, all the other things like health and education. So finally with light rail, um, with... With regard to uh, the polls looking fairly supportive, um, Canberrans mm. are fairly much behind this project and there has been substantial um, government expenditure on just preliminary um, mm. processes towards a project. How can you reassure Canberrans that that money is mm. not falling um, Well, firstly, flat? The, the polls that I've looked at, uh, the unions poll, uh, unions ACT, uh, our own polling, the Canberra Times poll, shows that this project does not have support. And even the latest Canberra Times poll uh, showed that when you, people ask the question, do you support uh, the first stage of light rail as proposed by the government, 52% uh, are against, only 43% in support. So a significant majority of people, when they look at the detail of the project, are opposed. And I think that that also is a self-selecting poll. And a lot of people from Woden and Western Creek, for example, who aren't supportive, uh, weren't responding in great numbers on that on that particular mm -hmm. poll. So my view is that this is not a project that has community support. But ultimately, uh, there's no doubt that there are those that support the project. The community is divided. I think that the majority don't support it. But ultimately, this is why we should have the decision made at the election. So what I do say to the government is, Let's go to the election. Don't sign contracts, you know, literally a couple of months before the election. Uh, let's take this to the people of the ACT and let them have their say. Because whether you support this or not, uh, spending a billion dollars on any infrastructure project, this will be the biggest infrastructure project uh, in the ACT's history uh, by a significant margin. So let's make sure that the people uh, have their say. And if the government is successful, if people vote for the Labor Party, then clearly they'll have a mandate. Mm -hmm. uh, but the reality is that the people vote for the Liberal Party, a lot of that will be because they don't want the tram, they, they see that there are high priorities. So that's what I'd say to the government. I think that's a reasonable position and mm -hmm. certainly whether you're for the tram or against it, I think people want to have their say and I think that they want something that then the government can get on with 
uh, that doesn't divide the community, or equally, if we're successful, uh, that it's resolved once and for all. So you wouldn't go ahead with the project if no. you were elected? Okay. No, uh, clearly we will not be going ahead with Light Rail. We've been talking to Shane Rattenbury, ACT Greens member, and ACT Opposition Leader Jeremy Hansen on Subject ACT. Coming up, Project Manager Emma Thomas and Place Manager Dean Hemmener of Capital Metro. Stay with us now for more current affairs on Subject ACT, 2XXFM 98.3. This morning we're welcoming Emma Thomas, the Project Director of Capital Metro, and Dean Hemmener from Capital Metro, who's the Place Manager. Welcome to Subject ACT. Thanks very much, Becca. Morning, Becca. Thanks for having us along. Perhaps I could direct this to Emma to begin with as a director. What is Canberra Light Rail, just to inform our listeners? Well, Canberra Capital Metro Light Rail is stage one of a transport system. Uh, It's a light rail system like a tram that goes from Gungahlin through to Civic in the city and uh, with a potential option to go through to Russell. um, And that stage one is due to commence next year. It's specific to Canberra, so it's a project that's just been designed for Canberra. That's right. Capital Metro is the name of the agency uh, for which we work. Uh, We're part of the ACT government and uh, Capital Metro Agency was established uh, a couple of years ago, particularly for the purpose of delivering this light rail system. Mm -hmm. So why does Canberra need this mode as opposed to other forms of public transport? I think it's fair to say that um, Canberra needs all forms of of transport and uh, the transport system is about giving people choices for what, the way that they wish to move around the city. But particularly stage one, which goes from Gungahlin to the city, uh, Infrastructure Australia recently uh, put out a report for uh, various cities around Australia and they listed the Northbourne Corridor as the most congested corridor in Canberra. So really this this first stage is not only just about easing congestion but also about brightening the appearance of the entryway. It's our main entryway to the city when you drive from Sydney or Melbourne. It's also got lots of uh, area and room for expansion of uh, living areas along the corridor, residential, building, um, commercial areas. So it's a really exciting area to build light rail through and then connect with the rest of the public transport system. In the north of Canberra, uh, we've got data that shows that the the inner north are the most extensive bike riders in the city. So uh, it's a, you know, it connects all of those elements of transport. It's not just about light rail or everything else, but it connects buses, bikes, uh, park and rides for cars. Will bikes be able to come on board? It's one of our unique features for our light rail in Canberra. It's not done very often uh, in light rail systems around the world, but one of the specifications we've had is for the Canberra light rail to be able to carry four bikes on each rail vehicle. So uh, we're really looking forward Mm. to that and it'll be something that is unique to us Mm. and our environment here. What stage is the project at? So we're going through a really important stage at the moment. We're going through an evaluation stage where we're doing an evaluation of two consortia who have put forward their bids and their tenders to actually undergo the construction of the project. What have been some of the hurdles, I guess, in such an expansive project? Emma? We, we have uh, 
quite a big task to do. And um, for us, making sure we had some very strong aspirations setting out the project. One is that we have really good urban design. So we want the system not just to be a transport system, but to really look very lovely in its landscape and really pay attention to the bush capital elements of Canberra and make sure that we, we're very respectful of those. And mm-hmm. um, we're also very keen to make sure that we um, do take into account the needs of the community and uh, Dean's role as a place manager is part of that. We've got place managers at Gungal and at Dixon and in the city mm-hmm. so that we can continue the conversations with them mm-hmm. and make sure that we get as much uh, local industry participation as possible on the project. So I'm interested to know about the place manager role, what obviously it's a crucial element of the project. It is, and as Emma mentioned, there's three place managers. So we've been strategically placed along the corridor to make sure that we talk to people in Gungahlin, Dixon, the city, as well as Canberrans everywhere. But it's providing information about the light rail project and answering any questions that they may have Mm -hmm. also about the project. So we're kind of the face or for the project mm-hmm. for the community and businesses. And the intermediary point, so that sort of communication can, um, channel between the community and... Yes, very much so. We are out in the community and the business community groups um, talking to them every day. So what's the tone or what's the opinion at large, if you can sort of generalise, or some of the more significant opinions of community that are coming through? Sure. We undertook some research um, a couple of weeks ago. 56% of people of Cambrians said that they supported light rail. 36% said they didn't support light rail and 10% were undecided. But when we had research and we showed them the master plan of where the light rail was going, that went up to nearly 70%. So the overall feel for people in Canberra is they're supportive of light rail. And once they see the bigger picture of the the network, which was just released on Tuesday, they'll also see that the value for all Canberrans, and we are hopeful that they'll embrace it as much as everyone else has at the moment. Okay, so maybe the knowledge or information is quite a crucial point to establishing that connection from community to the project, is that what? Very much so. And the whole communications and stakeholder engagement team um, at Capital Metro, one of our roles is actually to get out into the community through different avenues, through social media such as Twitter and Facebook, um, and getting our messages out there. We've also formed community and business reference groups along the corridor in Gungahlin, Dixon and the city, and we have seven community reference groups, mm-hmm. where we're getting the immediate feedback from those people about how the project is going um, and how we can meet their questions and any issues that may come along during the construction of the project. So having that face-to-face um, meetings with them and answering the questions very, very important and getting the information out there as well. So the community consultation has been quite a significant, um, I guess, voice or input, has offered significant input into the project. It's certainly not been a standalone decision. There has been that kind of um, 
two-way, at least two-way conversation. Very much so. And that's a, a critical part of the project to making sure that we hear the opinions and voices and questions from the community and the businesses. And we've had consultation throughout the, the life of the project. For instance, we had an environmental impact study. Um, and when that went out, we had another consultation period. And so any big milestone that we do have, we make sure that we're out there in the community letting them know what's happening and answering any questions that they may have. Thanks, Dean. So I had Jeremy Hansen in last week who was strongly opposed to the project. And I guess just in regard for that perspective, um, what is your response to his argument opposing the project at large? Emma? Well, we, we're here to deliver the government's wishes, which is to build the best light rail system we can possibly build. And as an agency, that's our main focus, is to make sure that we're doing our jobs as professionally and well as we can, and uh, make sure that we make the right decisions and put forward those decisions to government for um, recommendation later in the year uh, for them to make their decisions. Um, so it's not really our job to comment on, on the political nature that's there. We're obviously aware of it um, and we work very hard just to answer people's questions and hope that we can um, give people the right information at the right times so that they can make their own choices about it. And I guess to what Dean was discussing, the community consultation is an, an, an important element of that conversation and that knowledge base is that there is information there. If people do want to explore it for themselves independently of political kind of That's right. We're always seeking uh, avenues to give people information um, because everybody likes it in a different way. So uh, we, we make ourselves present at uh, various locations all over Canberra. We go to a lot of different events. And that's mainly just to give people information and give them a chance to see the, the um, drawings and things that we've had prepared so in preparation for the project. As we get closer to um, the preferred tenderer, which will be the, the people that we select uh, to deliver this light rail system, we'll have even more information we can share then in, in more of that operational sense of when things are going to start to um, be interrupted or disrupted, how long that's going to be for, when we can expect the system to be operational. I think that'll be very exciting for everyone to, yeah, to know a lot more information about that then. What will this bring to Canberra and what will we get out of this other than just another form of public transport? It's, it's, it's bigger, obviously, in your vision. It is so much bigger than just a form of public transport. There are, is the obvious uh, discussion about congestion and congestion is real and it's projected to cost the Canberra community 700 million a year by 2030. So that's a really big number. So that's one benefit. But also it provides uh, just a level of energy around a light rail system. And what's, be what's happened in every other city where light rail has gone in is that the, the economic energy that comes to the light rail really starts people moving around that area. And I think for the city as well to be able to feed people in and give us an opportunity that allows us to go home at night, past sort of 10 o'clock at night on a Friday or a Saturday, we, our system's going to be running till 1 o'clock in the morning on Friday and Saturday nights. So it just provides choices, as mm. I said earlier, for people to use another form of transport and really um, celebrate all the way along mm. there and also give us a better public transport system mm. overall. So as we feed, start to feed buses into that light rail network, mm -hmm. we can then start to stabilise the network around other parts of the city. Mm -hmm. 
and uh, it should be a, a better outcome for everyone. People that we talk to, people in Canberra really do like to, to go out and, mm. and uh, <laughs> have many reasons for doing after-hours mm. activities, whether it's sport or That's entertainment. Yeah. And as I said, it just gives another choice in the mix so that you don't, people who come to Canberra don't have to necessarily buy that extra car, mm. don't have to have... Uh, I think we saw recently that there was a study that um, 17% of families in Canberra had or households had over three cars. So it just gives another choice and another part of moving around our city that gives people options. It's not just a, a network of transport, but there's actually going to be a significant change to the urban landscape somewhat. And can you speak to that? Yeah, I think that the, the trees are such a feature of coming into Canberra and uh, we recognise the support, the importance of them. We've worked really hard with arborists, um, both from outside of Canberra but also within to understand what was happening with those trees. Some people might know not know that they're the uh, third planting of trees since Canberra was um, was developed. So um, this, the eucalyptus alata that are there at the moment is otherwise known as the river gum. I've learnt a lot about, mm. <laughs> about these trees. I didn't know. <laughs> um, and the trees have been, because they were planted as a type of tree that's used to having its roots very wet, as mm. the climate has become a lot drier, um, those trees have been really suffering. And when we did our study, we've found that um, the, the condition of the trees has deteriorated quite significantly. So... Um, it's been our decision to remove the trees as part of the light rail, but we will be replanting a, a very strong boulevard of trees. We, we've been working with the National Capital Authority to define what their requirements are mm. because they look after that part of the city. And the eucalyptus manifera, um, which people might know, is, it has a very long white trunk mm-hmm. and very straight. And mm. so it will, it will actually provide a really beautiful avenue beautiful. look the for tree. the city mm. as the tree uh, matures. Mm-hmm. We will we have required that the trees won't go in as seeds. <laughs> they, they will be planted in, in a semi-mature state so that we can see some of that, um, that beauty straight away and make sure that you know, the landscape continues to, to flourish over time. Thank you for sharing our first program of 2XXFM Subject ACT. Please join us every weekday at 8.30am for 30 minutes of local current affairs. Tomorrow, Robert Goldsborough will bring his unique flair to the program. You're on 98.3 2XXFM. I'm Becca Posterino. I also met with ACT opposition leader Jeremy Hansen.